right, Thurpus, are you ready? Okay. I'm going to be in the book of Jeremiah. But first I'm going to look at something in Luke chapter 18. Uh, Jesus, of course, talking here. And uh, he gives a parable. Uh, and then verse 6, the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? Now how long has God's elect been crying? A long time for us. Not for God, but for us. <clears throat> That's not over with yet. He said, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Well, that's speedily in God's terms, not ours. But he says, nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now, I'm not going to take the time to go through all of this, but the faith is the whole gamut of Bible doctrine. Part of the faith is the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. That is a Bible doctrine. And that is part of the faith. But now, in 2 Thessalonians, the Lord said, Except there come a falling away first. Well, the word there in the Greek is from apostasis, which means from standing. Now, I don't believe for a minute that the whole world has been standing for the Lord. But there have been some standing for the Lord. But Jesus intimates it right here. And there Paul outright, outright states it. He also says in 2 Timothy, uh, evil men shall wax worse and worse. Wax means grow worse and worse. So, towards the end, things are going to slack off. Well, guess what? They indeed are. I remember back, well, 1968 and 69 was how many years ago? A bunch, wasn't it? 55, 56 years ago. Back when I was trying to get myself back into the work of the Lord, educating, getting educated myself and going to Lexington Baptist College and observing what was going on. And I came here in 1971. I'm talking about a long time. And I've observed a lot. Well, back then, we had a whole lot more churches to fellowship with. I mean, a lot more. We don't have nowadays. What's happened to them? Some of them have closed their doors. And many of them have left the faith. Which is exactly the question Jesus answers or asks, shall he find Faith on the earth. I see why he's asked that. Because as fewer and further between can you find churches that are standing on the whole counsel of the word of God. Not many there. Uh, Brother Wayne tells me about a church in Ohio that voted just recently to open up communion and baptism to no longer stand on closed communion and non-alien immersion. Now, you see, it's not left up to us to determine how to serve God. Everybody agree with that? We come from the Bible. That's our only rule of faith and practice. 
And as far as New Testament doctrine, it has to come from the New Testament because there wasn't a church in the Old Testament. Now, we, the, the Old Testament is as inspired as the New, but we find the doctrine and practice of New Testament churches from the time that Jesus founded his church on earth during his public ministry. And we have precept and principle and practice in the New Testament to tell us how to conduct our affairs. Well, according to the word of God, it's very plain. The only ones that can take the Lord's Supper in any individual church are those who are fellowshipping members of that church, and they consequently have scriptural baptism. They're the only ones, but now people, they want everybody. Well, we just... We must include everybody. It hasn't been long ago that we had a couple, nice couple visiting here. And when we observed the Lord's Supper, I made the statement that this is for the members only. And that's the way it is. And they refused to come back. I talked to them. Oh no, the Baptist churches they've been in just said everybody come. Well, it's not my supper. I can't invite you to the supper. It's the Lord's Supper. And he and his word says, uh, who can come, who can participate in it? And this thing of, of baptism, we believe there are four points, scriptural points to scriptural baptism. First, you must be the proper subject. That is, according to the Bible, you must be a saved person and give evidence of that salvation. We can't receive anybody in here, just anybody. They must, they must confess the Lord and give evidence of having confessed the Lord. Secondly, we can only, we can only perform baptism according to the scriptures. And that says it's an immersion. It's not a sprinkling like, like the majority of the world does. The majority of churches, they sprinkle. That's not baptism. That's not an immersion. There's no way that's scriptural baptism. It's not. And then thirdly, it must be by the proper design. It's the like figure. Baptism is not the uh, substance that saves us. It is a picture, picture, a figure or a picture of what does save us. Christ dying on the cross for our sins, being buried, actually he was, and arose 72 hours later, three days later. There, there's what salvation's all about. And it's one's repentance and faith in Christ and his finished work of redemption. There's salvation. Baptism is just a picture of it. And it also admits you into the Lord's church. That we have confessed the Lord and we have pictured it properly according to scripture. Well, anything less than that is not baptism. And finally, that, I've got the third point, fourth point. It must be done by the proper authority. And you have to just go this far. John the Baptist was baptizing outside of Jerusalem at Bethabara, just north of the Dead Sea on the Jordan River. That's where John the Baptist was baptizing. And he was the first human being to ever baptize anybody. And that's against what the Southern Baptist Convention says. That, that that John learned it from the Jews. He didn't learn baptism from the Jews. They didn't baptize anybody. Yeah, they took mass, but that ain't baptism. Amen. They washed. That ain't baptism. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and he initiated baptism for the first time in the history of the world. And he's the only one that God ever sent to initiate baptism. Jesus is over 60 miles away, all the way up by the Sea of Galilee, all the way past the northern end of the Jordan River. And he walks at the beginning of his ministry. He walks over 60 miles over rough terrain to get to John. If it didn't matter, he could have got plenty of people to baptize him. But it did matter. And when he got to John, he said, John said, oh, I'm not even worthy to untie your shoes. And Jesus said, thus it becomes us 
to fulfill all righteousness. Then John shut up and he immersed Jesus in the Jordan River. And that was Jesus' initiation into his public ministry. We're to follow his example. He's our perfect example. Jesus didn't become the son of God by baptism. He was already the son of God. What he did was submit to the authority of God's baptism in John the Baptist. And then he began his public ministry. When you're saved, if you're not already saved, you go in that water, you just get wet. Doesn't do a thing. You're to be a saved person and give outward evidence of that. And the church votes to receive you. Then, you, then you, you're baptized by the proper authority. And then you are a member of the Lord's church in that location. And there you have scriptural authority to begin your public life for the Lord. The scripture's plain on it. It couldn't be any plainer. So, it is easy. If you say, well, just everybody could come and take the Lord's Supper. Oh, you become friends with everybody. Or just come on in. We won't, we won't require rebaptism. But you know how many of our brothers and sisters in the Lord have been persecuted and brutally slaughtered over that doctrine? And then you have these upstarts that come, go to a seminary that's heretical, people who know nothing about the truth, and they teach them, oh, that's, that's just too much. That's just a bunch of fanatics. No, we're just following the word of God, that's all. So, anyway, will the Lord find faith on the earth? And I say yes, but it'll only be because of God's sovereign grace. Amen. All right. Now where do I want to go? That's, now that's a pre preliminary. I guess you can call that. All right. Let's go over to the book of Jeremiah. That's where I wanted to go. Jeremiah. Chapter 1. And I believe if there's one Old Testament book that is parallel with our situation today, I think it's Jeremiah. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1, the words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, of the priests that were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin. Well, if you didn't know where Anathoth was, you know it's in the land of Benjamin. How do you find out the land of Benjamin? Well, you look back and Joshua would see the way the land was divided up. And you find the land of Benjamin. To whom the word of the Lord came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. Now we know that we're dealing with the southern kingdom of Israel. Uh, because he's king, Ammon is king of Judah. After Solomon... He, he died, Israel split in two, into the northern and southern kingdom. The northern kingdom began to be called the ten tribes, Ephraim, and the southern kingdom is called Judah. And you have to make that distinction when you're reading in the prophets because sometimes it's talking about Israel, that's the northern kingdom, and other times it's talking about Judah, which is the southern kingdom, and there's a big difference. So, it came also, verse 3, in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, unto the, unto the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah. Now, Zedekiah is the last king of the southern kingdom of Israel. So, if Zedekiah, in a long list of kings, and now Zedekiah is the last one, which means that's when they go into captivity. All right, so that gives you the scope of what we're talking about here. The son of Josiah, king of Judah, 
unto the carrying away of Jerusalem kept in the fifth month. So now we're talking about the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, the southern kingdom, by Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king, and the, Bab- the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Well, you notice, we've got a politician election coming in Kentucky. And our illustrious Democrat governor is bragging about a church that his father and grandfather pastored. Well, I wonder if those church or that church, if they teach that it's all right to murder babies. He's wanting to get some credibility from his dad and granddad. And he's a member of a Christian church someplace. But I wonder if they teach that it's all right to murder babies. Because you see, that was the first thing he did when he took office, is he opened up the abortion clinics that Matt Bevan had closed. And we're killing them right and left right now, murdering them right and left. And I don't care what anybody says, that ain't politics, that's ungodliness. And that God's going to judge, so you ought not to get into politics. That ain't politics. When you're murdering people, that ain't politics. It's way beyond politics. Anyway, God said to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly. Guess what? That's where we all came from. And any doctor can take his hands and a knife and go up there and slaughter a baby. And they're even talking about bringing them out of the womb and killing them then. I mean just blatant murder and our governor's for it. He has pushed it the first thing he did. I don't care whatever else he did. I don't care whatever else Joe Biden did. They're baby murderers. Come on somebody, take me on on it. Don't tell me you're a believer, you're a Christian and you can't just wholesale slaughter Little innocent babies. What's the difference? Murder's murder. Well, we don't want nobody to get the death penalty. I do. God said, whoso shed a man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. And that was to the whole human race. That wasn't just to the Jews, folks. When God put that one out, there wasn't any Jews. It was all Gentiles. Anyway, yeah, Genesis 9, 6 is where that was. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Now somebody says, oh, I don't think it matters about abortion. You ought to read that. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. Now you think God's not going to judge the hundreds of millions of babies that have been murdered since the Supreme Court okayed it? 1973, I mean there's 60 million or better legally murdered, let alone the illegals. Before I I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. So somebody had his his hand on this fellow, didn't they? (laughs) I mean from the get-go. We believe that, we believe that a, a baby is a complete human life from conception. This kind of proves it, doesn't it? Amen. Anyway, then said I, that is Jeremiah. He's grown up a little bit. Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. That's what Solomon said. I am but a child. I know not how to go out nor to come in. Pretty, that's pretty good humility, isn't it? But God says, the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child, for thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee. 
And whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Here's what he says to him. To him. <laughs> Be not afraid of their faces. <laughs> That's what God said. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. I remember one day, one Sunday, I'm walking up and down this aisle, and that's what I'm preaching. Be not afraid of their faces. You have people sitting, I'm preaching the word of God, and they're sitting there. I've had it right here. And that's what I did. I said, be not afraid of their faces. And you think I'm afraid of you? You've got another thing coming. I'm going to preach the whole counsel of the word of God and you don't know nobody else is big enough to stop me. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. You see, I figure I'm safe as long as I am delivering the word of God. Now, when I get away from that, I'm not on safe ground. You say, well, people won't like that. Oh, I know that. That's what he just said. Be not afraid of their faith. Why? Well, they're gonna, look what they're going to do to you. Look what they did to Jesus. Look what they did to Stephen. Look what they did to Paul and all of the brethren and sisters. And the Lord said unto me in verse 9, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. Verse 10, see, I have this day set thee, that's you, Jeremiah, over the nations and over the kingdoms. Now, when you get all this stuff, I hear it still now. I used to start hearing it years ago. Oh, we can't be negative. We can't be negative. We have to preach kindly. Be nice to everybody. I want you to look at the message God gave Jeremiah. He said, I've set thee over the nations and over the kingdom to root out. You think that's positive? To pull down. To destroy. And to throw down. Not a positive among them, is there? Then he says to build and to plant. You got four negatives and two positives. But the negatives have to come before the positives. My old grandfather. My mother's daddy. Did you ever know him, Dave? I don't think so. Yeah. Did you? You didn't either. Whatever it was. Had an old rock farm in Clark County, Hill Farm. My mother used to talk about him working from before before daylight to past dark, rooting out stumps, trying to make a field to plant a crop, getting rocks out. Said he'd come in, the hands all bloody. It's kind of worker he was. And when you rooting out. And you're tearing down, you're pulling down, and you're destroying. You sometimes have to get a stick of dynamite to get a root, get a stump out. And people blow their hands off, trying to blow a stump out. It's dangerous work. I'll tell you, any prophet, any pastor, any preacher, it's dangerous work doing what God says. And Jeremiah found that out. Let's go on. Moreover, <laughs> the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then said the Lord unto me, thou hast well seen. For I will hasten my word to perform it. Now, if you want to know what the almond rod indicates, there it is. We'll talk about that in a little bit. 
And the word of the Lord came unto me the second time, saying, What seest thou? And I said, I see a seething pot, a boiling pot of water, and the face thereof is toward the north. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. For lo, I will call all the families of the kingdoms of the north, saith the Lord, and they shall come, and they shall set every one his throne at the entering of the gates of Jerusalem, and against all the walls thereof round about, and against all the cities of Judah. He's talking about the Babylonian kingdom. That's to the north of Jerusalem. And I will utter my judgments against them, touching all their wickedness. Now, those who have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands, it's all going on today in this country. Thou therefore gird up thy loins and arise and speak unto them all that I command thee. Be not dismayed at their faces, lest I confound thee before them. <coughs> For behold, I have made thee this day. He's talking about Jeremiah now. I've made Jeremiah a defense city. Like he put a hedge around Job. And an iron pillar. <laughs> Doesn't bend very well, does it? <laughs> and brazen walls. Against the whole land. I've steeled you against this whole land. And I'll tell you what, when you go to preaching the whole counsel of the word of God, you better be steeled. Against the kings of Judah, the whole land, the kings of Judah, against the princes thereof, against the priests thereof. Isn't it a shame that it was against the priests? The priests should have been right there with him. And against the people of the land. And they shall fight against thee. It wasn't a surprise to God. And it wasn't a surprise to Jeremiah. God's already warned him. But they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee, saith the Lord, to deliver thee. Now before we go back any. Uh, look at chapter 15. If you've ever read anything about Jeremiah, not from the book of Jeremiah, but about Jeremiah, then you've seen the, the uh, allegations of how he died, either sawed in two or stoned to death. Anybody ever see that or aware of that? Well, it's out there. If you... If you read very much about Jeremiah, that's what you'll find out. That's what they say. That's how he died. But now look at chapter 15, verse 20, verse 20. And I will make thee unto this people a fenced brazen wall. Now that's what he said in chapter 1. And they shall fight against thee, but they shall not prevail against thee. For I am with thee to save thee and to deliver thee, saith the Lord. And then verse 10. Well, woe is me, my mother. That's, that's all right. I'm, verse 20, verse 20 is, is what I really wanted you to see. That's because it agrees with what he said here. Now, I don't believe. I can't prove it, but I'm just going by what the Bible says. I don't think he was, he was killed by opposition in Egypt. That's what they say. Sawn, sawn in two or 
Wasn't no magician doing it either. If, they, if that, that's what they did, but somebody, I don't believe it happened to him, and I don't believe they stoned him to death. What did God promise Jeremiah? He said, "They'll not get you." That's enough for me. I don't. I don't need any more studies from all the Doctor Hall jaws. I've got the Word of God. Anyway, as we look back at Jeremiah one, verse eleven. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And then in verse 13, he's, the word of the Lord came to me the second time, saying, what seest thou? And I said, a seething pot, and the face thereof is toward the north. Now, we find this out from 1 Samuel, that before the prophets were called prophets, they were called seers. Now, some think when they hear the Pope talked about, they call him the Holy See. They think it comes from that, but it doesn't. No, it's certainly not that scriptural. Uh, but a seer was called was a prophet before he was called a prophet. Well, here's what Spurgeon says about it. Uh, a prophet must see before he can speak. Now, I don't know whether he literally sees, but he must spiritually see what's going on before he can speak with authority. And so that's what he tells Jeremiah. What do you see? What do you see? Well, I see an almond rod. Well, and the Lord said, I will hasten my word to perform. Now, you know, many preachers today Obviously, haven't seen much because they don't preach much. And what they say doesn't matter to a hill of beans. They're just having a, just a, just a welcoming party is all they're doing. People don't know, they don't know where we are. Let me tell you what, folks. I'm not trying to, to be a date sitter or anything. But I say we're on the verge. We're on the verge of seeing some bad things happening. We're already seeing it. And other countries are already seeing it, and we're getting to see it right here. Isn't that in Canada? A little boy got, he's going to be put in jail, was going to be put in jail. And what was he doing? Handing out tracts. We think Canada's some kind of a sister nation. Huh. No, they're not either. Communism has taken over. Our president, he's in cahoots with China. They're sending spies over here. They know where we are. What's going to happen? I don't know. But they're also sending soldiers from the southern border. Do you think this thing is not going to come to a head soon? And it will. Now, I'm not saying we can do anything about it. I can't control what the government does. You can't either. If they want to come and get me, they can come and get me. There's no way I couldn't have enough guns or ammunition to protect myself. If they want to come and get me, they can put me in jail. They can come and get me and put me in jail. There's not a thing I can do about it. But I, they can't have my mind. They can't have my heart. Because I know who's in control of all of this. And this is the one that called Jeremiah. Well, anyway, I say some of these people, some of these so-called leaders, they don't see anything. Nothing going on. Everything's all right. Joel Osteen, he says everything's all right. He said, you just got to think the best thoughts about yourself. And you can do whatever you want to do. Just give your money to me. That's what many of them are doing right now. Then some see the wrong thing. Nicodemus, he saw the wrong thing, didn't he? Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, how can a man be an old enter again into his mother's womb? Duh. Art thou a master in Israel and you don't know these things? Yeah. He was a teacher in Israel, all right. But he sure didn't know anything what he needed to know. He saw the wrong things. 
Some see a distorted view like that fella. Is that, uh, the Lord was working on him. He said, what do you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. I think that's what some of these preachers are seeing. Uh, they, they got a distorted view. And some of them just don't see anything. They don't know a thing about it. But he says, Jeremiah, what seest thou? And he said, I see a rod of an almond tree. And I see a seething pot. That's a boiling pot. I don't know about you. That's why I don't like little kids in the kitchen. I mean, there's seething pots in there. And there are things that, are, that can hurt them bad. And you think a boiling pot boiling over on a kid wouldn't be almost deadly, if not deadly? It, it, it is to an adult. Why, well, you have to be careful. Seething pot is danger. Well, what is this danger? Now, this danger is the judgment that God is bringing. And it's going to come on Jerusalem Amen. real soon. And what's that almond rod say? The Lord will hasten to perform his word. Now in God's word, he said, not going to destroy the earth again by water, but by the same word in which he judged the world in water. And believe you me, I don't care what Bill Nye says, there are worldwide evidences of the worldwide flood of Noah's day. I mean, how dumb can you be to say there's no evidence of a worldwide flood? It's all over. Anywhere you look, there's evidence of the worldwide flood. Uh, I heard our illustrious vice president, oh, I hate to call her that, speaking to the West Point graduates yesterday or day before, you know what she's talking about? Diversity. LGBT, transgender, diversity, and climate change. Now these are guys that are going to command soldiers in our army. Men and women both. And that's what they're filling their heads with. Diversity. The military has been turned into something of a social experiment. Get all of these transgenders. You know, I guess I can see some of these, some of these frontline troops now. They'll, they'll be out there with their earrings on and their hair in a bouffant, wearing a skirt and high heels and carrying a rifle. You think the world is not laughing at us? But that's what we've got going on in this country. And it's just a matter of time. What happened? You read uh, Gibbon's fall and decline of the Roman Empire. One of the major things he said happened in the fall of the Roman Empire was a lack of discipline in the military. And we don't have that anymore. You got half a Pentagon or more. That's all they're designed to do is get us all transgenders. Well, anyway, there's a seething pot coming, folks. The judgment of God is on its way. And how long will it be? Well, I think that almond tree is out there right now. He'll hasten his judgment. And yet Amos, he had a plumb line. Zechariah had a golden candlestick and a flying roll. But that was all about judgment. The almond rod, the hastening tree. It was the first to bloom in the spring. The word for almond and the word hastening in the Hebrew is the same word. So there's the issue about the almond rod. And here it is, the lesson for Jeremiah and Judah and us. Here it is. Number one, God never forgets a promise. If he promises something good, he never forgets it. But by the same token, 
When he promises evil, he promises judgment, he never forgets it. And it will come to pass just as he has said. God never forgets a promise, whether it be a blessing or a cursing. All of his promises are yea and amen, 2 Corinthians 1. Number two, God never forgets a single person to whom a person uh, a promise belonged, whether it be Abraham or Ahab. God made some big promises to Abraham. He promised Abraham <coughs> the promised land from the river Euphrates to the Nile River and all in between. Israel doesn't have all that land now. But God promised it to him, promised it to Abraham and his descendants, and they're going to get it. I don't know what all is going to come about as a result, but they're going to get that God will keep his promise to Abraham. And then, that didn't take it long with Ahab. You know what Ahab did? (coughs) He stole Naboth's. or stole his, uh, his land, stole his heritage. Well, a lot of these preachers are stealing God's heritage now. Uh, we teach the trail of blood, Baptist church perpetuity, and there are not many people left doing that. It's just as true as it's ever been. But people are no longer standing for it. But God said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, God, number three, God never misses the time to deliver. Amen. We say, if I'd have been there, or the women said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, Lazarus had not died. If you remember that, the Gospel of John, chapter 11, Jesus purposefully, on purpose, delayed his coming. And by the time he got there, they said, oh, Jesus... He's been dead four days, four days and nights. Behold, he stinketh. (laughs) And Jesus said, uh, they said, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. Accusing him, kind of. Not outright accusing, but kind of, you know, it's, it's, you you could have done something if you, but that's all right. We know who you are, but uh, if you'd been here, He wouldn't have died. And Jesus said, Lazarus, with a loud voice, come forth. And here he comes. Resurrected. And they said, loose him and let him go. Unwrap the grave clothes on him. Well, God never misses the time to deliver. God is not slack concerning his promises, 2 Peter and 3. What's he promised there? To destroy the world by fire. And God's not slack concerning his promise. And it will be here Right on time. And I'm saying we're moving towards that right now. There's not a doubt in my mind. There is not one threat that God has made that will not be carried out. God doesn't do like we do. John, if you don't quit that, I'm going to paint your head off. If you don't quit that, I'm going to blister your butt. Now, I told you 18 times before, I'm going to whoop you. We don't carry out the threats. Well, some of them we shouldn't carry out. We're not capable of that. But let me tell you what. God Almighty 
is quite capable and able, and he will carry out all of his threats because he doesn't make any unrighteously. Anyway, there's not one threat that he will not carry out. We notice this by the almond tree that God is quick to fulfill his word. We don't count it quick because we're bound up in time. But it's quick to God. His threatening, uh, like an old man, won't be judged for the first time he heard the gospel, but the last time. You know, nations will hear up to the last. There are people preaching the gospel out, passing out tracts. I want us to do more of that. But there are people out doing lots of things, trying to spread the word. People are hearing. There's more information on the internet, and I mean good quality information. You can, you can read the Bible right on your phone if you've got one of those kinds of phones. Or on your iPad or on your uh, computer. <clears throat> you can read the Bible. You can get interlinear Bibles. You can get concordances. You can get all that up there for free. You can get commentaries up there for free. All you have to do is just look a little bit. There's no excuse for anybody. And I, I look at these foreign countries. Most of them got phones. And that internet, it's worldwide web, isn't it? And I mean, the Bible is available. Besides, we'll give you one. There's no excuse for anybody not having a Bible. And then there's no excuse for not reading it. If you're blind, they're printed in Braille. Whatever your language, I don't know how many languages, at least all or part of the Bible has been translated into. You can look on that sword search and get your, you can see all the different languages and you can pull them up right there. If you can read that language, you can pull it up right there. So there's just no excuse for it. But God said the nations that forget God will be turned into hell. Hell is real. So how do you turn a nation? Well, see, you understand this. A nation is not geography. A nation is people. And there are all sorts of nations right now that have turned their back on God. England, Canada, ah, and United States of America. In the process of it right now. And God said those nations will be turned into hell. God is quick to deliver on his promises of blessing. Salvation. Behold now are we the sons of God. That's what First John says. Now. I'm not waiting like the hard shell say. They say nobody knows we're saved now. You've got to wait till then. No, 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 no. The Mormons and the uh, Armstrongites and all the cults, oh, you, you can't know now. You've got to wait. Oh, no, wait. See if you're in the 144,000. Well, I know of a fact that I'm not in the 144,000. And I know that there ain't no Jehovah's false witness in it either. It has nothing to do with them. That only has to do with the elect Jews. Behold, now, repent and believe the gospel, and thou shalt be saved. Behold, now are we the sons of God. Now, I've got that assurance in my heart from the word of God and by the Holy Spirit living within me. Primarily the word of God and the Holy Spirit makes that real in my heart. If you're not saved... Repent. Have another mind towards God. You say, what about my sins? Well, that's what it's all about. The reason one needs to repent is because, number one, they not only have sinned, but they are a sinner. 
That's the reason you repent. It's all about sin. That's why your mind has to be changed. But it can only come by the power of God. But when one repents, they have another mind about God, towards God. And then they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for their sins, was buried and rose again the third day, all according to Scripture. So, when was the prodigal son received? When he came back. Had a fatted calf cooked for him. Well received. And so the almond rod sets an example for us. We ought to be quick too. The Lord's quick. That's what the almond rod says. The Lord's quick. We ought to be quick in obeying God. And what he says we ought to do. Not next week. Not next year. Not when you have a convenient time. We ought to obey him now. Well, I can wait. Well, I've seen just recently folks say, well, I want to do something. I want to do something. I saw my dear brother. He said, I want to go see the ark. I said, brother, you set a date and we'll go. He never set the date and he never got to go. What are you going to do for the Lord? You say, I'm saved. What are you going to do for the Lord? Let's get it done now. Quit giving our efforts and our time to heathen family that mean nothing. And your service to God means nothing to them. God comes first. Let's put him first. Do it now. Do it now. Witnessing. We've got, I don't know where the box of tracks is. We had them right over here. I mean, put them back over there. I want you to get some of these, these good trick, chick tracks and, and pass them out. And you go, you go to work, you go to school, you're at home in your neighborhood, wherever you are, you can have an opportunity to witness to somebody. Tell them, warn them. The wrath of God is coming. That's what John the Baptist said to those Jews. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath of God that is to come? It's the wrath of God. That's all we're going to tell them about the love of God. Not now we don't. They need to hear about the wrath of God before they ever hear about the love of God. The love of God doesn't mean a thing until they hear the wrath of God and know that his wrath is abiding on their heads. Amen. Hurry up and get things right. You got things to get right, forgiving others. Be ready to go or to stay or to depart. Whatever the Lord has told you to do, let's do it. Whatever the almond tree taught Jeremiah, hurry up and get it done. Now, you may see the seething pot. Jeremiah lived to see the seething pot. He most certainly did. And it wasn't a pretty sight. If you think it was, read what he said in Lamentations. He said, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Look at God's holy city. Look what it looks like. Set on fire. The temple has been absolutely destroyed. The people carried away into captivity.